Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you are joining me today as we hear from the Lord and prepare ourselves to be his bride. My name's Amanda Hoban, and I'm the lead elder at Refinery Life Church on the Gold Coast, alongside my husband, Gary. And today we're going to be talking about the doctrine of baptisms. The Bible gives us instruction on three different baptisms. There's water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and baptism of fire. And the, these messages are designed to help us lay down a firm foundation in our Christian life so that we can then go on to perfection. The key scripture that we are looking at today comes from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So when the foundation is properly laid in our lives, then we can move on. So it's very important that we check ourselves each week as we go through these first principles so that we can graduate and move on to the next thing. It is our goal as a church, Refinery Life Church, to go on to perfection. These teachings that we are bringing in these few weeks come from Brother Neville Johnson, and they are called the First Principles. So water baptism is the next step after being born again. Water baptism represents a grave and a place to die. It is a place of death to the old man and a declaration of surrender. Water baptism is a burial service. It is a, it is a time where we give our total allegiance to Jesus. Water baptism is a day of absolute surrender, a day when we die in order to live in the newness of life. There's a beautiful piece of scripture in Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through to 11, which explains what the Lord says about water baptism. So let's read it. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died 
has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, that really is such a big piece of scripture. The message that I want to highlight here out of that is that through baptism we become dead to sin and alive to God. On one side of water baptism is death. That is death to the old man. That is death to the old nature. But on the other side is resurrection. It is the resurrection of the Spirit of God on the inside of us that causes the new man to rise up and be alive to the things of God. Water baptism is not just another Christian ritual. Water baptism is an act of obedience to God's word and an essential part of the Christian walk. Without this personal death and resurrection experience, you cannot go on further with with God. We're not talking about baptism of babies. We're talking about a decision of a mature person of sound mind to make the step of obedience. Water baptism is a testimony that you have received Jesus as your saviour and water baptism releases the power of God to cut the person being baptised free from the old life. At salvation, each new believer is given a new nature but the old one must be buried so that we will not remain the way we were, but we will be changed. And so water baptism is a doorway into the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful? It's a doorway. And so in water baptism, we are crucified with Christ. Jesus took our sins and crucified our old nature on the cross, which he took upon himself, the fallen nature of man. And so this act of water baptism is an individual acknowledgement which releases power to be set free from the weight of sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When this power of sin has been broken in our lives because of the death of Jesus and the acknowledgement of this through repentance and water baptism, to sin or not sin becomes a choice. The choice not to sin releases the power of God over us. And as we make this our way of life and a daily experience, we can go on. So this is the lesson here. Through the passage of water baptism, we die to our old nature. 
we rise again with the resurrection power of God in his new nature. And then each day as we continue to die daily to sin and temptation, we get a newness of power within us as we go on and as we live our lives for him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15.31, I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If it's good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me to choose to take authority and power and die daily. And once we learn to do that and take sin captive and crucify it, then we can go on. And the next step of, of baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the second baptism, and it's very closely linked to water baptism. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. It's ours if we would desire it, if we would seek it. And then when Jesus was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And we read of this moment in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 16. Let's read it together. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Water baptism prepares the way for the Holy Spirit to come upon a person. Have you been water baptized? If you haven't been water baptized, go and get baptized. Take yourself along to a spirit-filled church that you can be water baptized and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because baptism in the Holy Spirit is necessary for power in your Christian life and in your service to God. Jesus died on the cross during the feast of Passover and will be coming into that time very soon. When Jesus rose from the dead, he continued on with his disciples for another 40 days. He appeared to them. He talked with them. He walked with them. And we can read about these days, these 40 days, in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through to 5. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus was getting his disciples ready. He was speaking to them 
of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He was preparing them. And that is what the Lord is doing with us now, with his church. He's preparing us. He's getting us ready. And then in verse 4, the Holy Spirit is promised. Let's read Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not so many days from now. The Lord Jesus, he was letting his disciples know that something was coming, a baptism of the Holy Spirit was coming. And it came exactly 10 days later when the Jews in Jerusalem were gathered together for Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell in the upper room where they were assembled. And that made up the 50 days from when Jesus died on the cross. The book of Acts tells us that the day of Pentecost was fully come, 50 days. And when the 50 days from Passover were accomplished, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is another foundation to be laid in the life of a Christian believer. That is baptism of the Holy Spirit. Even now you can ask for it. Even now you can desire it. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is the kind of power that we need. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to go on to perfection so that we can profess the love and the mercy and the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ with power and with authority. There are two very important benefits of speaking in tongues. Firstly, when we speak in tongues, we speak to God. And what we speak or pray is in the perfect will of God for us. And this is quite profound, really, because we are told that if we ask anything in accordance to the will of God, we will receive what we have asked for. This is a promise that comes to us from 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. So when we are, when we are praying in tongues, we are praying in the perfect will of God. Many times, I don't know how to 
pray for a certain situation. And I'm, I'm sure you've had experiences in your life as well where you just don't know what to say. But this is the time that we can pray in tongues because if we are praying in tongues for a situation, then we are praying the will of God and our prayers will be answered. Romans 8 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit of God is making intercessions for us. He is going to the Father. He is petitioning on our behalf as we speak in tongues. And then it is noteworthy to read Romans 8, 28, which follows on. And we know that in all things, all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So it is as we pray in the Spirit of other tongues that we pray the will of God and all things are worked out for our own good. That's a very good reason to pray in tongues. That's a very good reason to desire the gift of tongues. Maybe you haven't yet received that gift, but desire it, ask for it. It will be yours. The second benefit of praying in tongues is that we edify ourselves. So what does that mean, you might ask? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So speaking in tongues edifies, it builds the translation in the Greek literally means to build a house or to construct a building. And this building is built on the inside of you. As you pray in the Spirit, you enlarge your capacity to receive from God and comprehend God at a greater level. Praying in the Spirit enlarges your capacity to receive from God. And to comprehend him. It's another step in our journey into the kingdom of God. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go on to perfection. We need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. The initial baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is a one-off event. But the continual infilling is a way of life. Enlargement occurs on the inside of us as we pray in the Spirit. So I want to encourage you to desire it, to ask the Lord for it earnestly, and he will hear you. And just let's just grab this moment to pray. Oh, Lord God, I pray for those that are listening and those who are watching, oh, Lord, if they, if they would desire this baptism of the Holy Spirit, Oh God, I pray that you would open heaven, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit 
into your precious ones, your chosen ones, your men and women, oh God, that they may experience you in a greater level. Thank you, Lord, for your baptism of the Holy Spirit. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. And the third baptism that we are going to look at today is the baptism of fire. Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through to 4. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That scripture was from Matthew 3.11. And it was talking about Jesus, uh, John, as he was baptizing people in the river Jordan. He was baptizing them in water. But he was, he was just letting the people know that someone was coming, that Jesus was coming, and that Jesus would bring with him a baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. And then Acts 2, 2 to 4, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were seated. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The early church experienced both the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire as one experience. Baptism of fire is an experience of sanctification. The Greek word translated sanctification means holiness. To sanctify means to make holy. In one sense, only God is holy. God is separate, distinct, and no human being shares the holiness of God's essential nature. There is only one God. Yet, Scripture speaks about holy things. Moreover, that God calls us to be holy, to be holy as he is holy. And so the baptism of fire is an experience that deals with the nature of sin in people's lives. The fire purges them, doing a great work within, preparing a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. And throughout history, we see the prophetic word of the Lord reach fulfillment. In the Old Testament, we see prophetic word that comes to pass in the New Testament. And Israel ceased to be a nation around 70 AD when the Roman Emperor Titus surrounded Jerusalem, eventually destroying the city. The Jewish people devoid of a country were scattered across the face of the earth. But God had encouraged them to not give up. 
God spoke to the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah 43, verses 5 and 6. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Well, this came to pass. In 1948, Israel again became a nation. And at this time, there was a major restoration in Israel and in the church. Because during the Dark Ages, the church was laid waste. But God said that he would restore the nation of Israel and the church. And since 1948, we have seen this parallel restoration taking place. It started in 1948 when Israel became a nation. And at the same time, there was a great move of God, a wonderful healing move of God. This was a powerful time where evangelism rang out across the nations and power was demonstrated, the power of God was demonstrated all over the world with wonderful signs, with wonderful healings, with wonderful miracles. The church began to blossom and this carried on through into the 60s and 70s where another move of God came, known as the charismatic move of God, a great and wonderful move of God marked by incredible signs, wonders, miracles and healings. But there was very little fire. And the lack of fire resulted in many carrying on with their demonic problems, not fully dealt with. But now we have come full circle. We have come into a time when the Lord Jesus is ready to pour out baptism of fire and we need the two experiences we need baptism in the holy spirit we need baptism of fire today is your opportunity to search your life and surrender wholly and completely unto the lord there is a coming baptism of fire and it is a part of what god is about to do so prepare your hearts. The seraphim are coming. The seraphim are coming. And the fire is not for cleansing of sin, but it is for purging and refining through transformation. Fire, the fire of God, the baptism of fire, deals with the consequences of sin in one's life. The fire of God removes the pollution that sin has caused. Fire deals with the demonic. The time has come. Church, it's time to prepare our hearts and surrender to God and seek him like never before. It's time to repent for selfish, soulish prayers. The baptism of fire will preserve a generation of Christians 
that will live through the darkest times that the world has ever seen. And we hear about these. The prophet Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 60, verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. I'm sure you can identify that these are the days we are in. This is a time of darkness. We see darkness all around us, darkness in people darkness in our families, darkness in life, darkness in the church. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you if you will surrender to a baptism of fire, a holy baptism of fire. He will sit as a refiner and a and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. This is what the Lord will do, as spoken in Malachi 3.3. Do you want to be an offering of righteousness? Do you want to be in right standing with the Lord? Let's look to him. Let's look to him and believe this next move of God will include the fire of God that will transform people. Just as Jesus was transfigured, even so the church will undergo a transfiguration experience where the light flowing from one's spirit will affect the whole being of man, transforming and renewing. The bride will be made ready without spot or blemish and it has absolutely nothing to do with us, with our gifts of, of, of who we are. It's only if we are willing to go through that refining process and be purified and cleansed. This takes a baptism of fire, but do you want to see what God is going to do in his church? Do you want to see healing, the power flowing through the people? Because the church is the people, and corporately, together, you are the church, we are the church. The time is coming where the transfiguration will occur on the inside of you. And me, if we will yield ourselves to him and give ourselves wholly to him in humility and in sincerity. So we are now going to just take a moment to examine ourselves. And I want you to do that as well, wherever you're listening from. Oh God, I pray, Lord, that you will reveal the things to your men and women that have been holding them back, Lord, that they would be willing to place them on the altar. 
Lord God, that your holy fire will burn the veils that have kept them back. If there be any unforgiveness in you, the Lord is asking you to examine your heart now and forgive. Oh God, burn that veil of unforgiveness, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. If there be any bitterness in you, bring it before the Lord. Bring your bitterness and place it on the altar. Oh God, I pray that your holy fire will consume the bitterness. If there be disobedience and doubt in you, now's your opportunity to take note of that and lay it on the altar of God. Oh, Lord God, burn, burn disobedience and doubt and unbelief, oh, Lord, with your all-consuming baptism of fire. For those, Lord, who have become over-familiar with you, oh, Lord, prompt them by the power of your Holy Spirit to lay over familiarity on the altar. Oh God, I pray that you burn, that you burn off these veils that have hidden and kept your people back from going further. Bring revival, oh God. Bring the blowtorch of your holy fire as the seraphim want to come Bring the fire of God that we will be changed, oh God. This is our cry, Lord. I pray that you will burn the darkness of sin out of your people, that you will purge the result of sin, oh God, and that you will baptize your people, Lord, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Cause your baptism of fire to come. I ask you, O oh Lord, that we may burn with the love and justice and power for your name, Lord, is high above. Lord, we come in humility and reverence, Lord, to receive your baptism. So receive it now. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Receive the baptism of fire, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Take heart, be encouraged. The Lord is with you. He is for you. And I want to encourage you to open your Bible. Read through the scriptures again that we have presented today in this teaching of the doctrine of baptisms. And until next time, remain in the blessings. <music>